You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm joined by Cam Berry and Brent Daughtry here on this Friday afternoon. Short show today. We will be getting off the air around 5 o'clock because Borgard High School basketball will come on our airwaves for the second time this week. They've got another big matchup. Tim Sin, Brooks Childress, and the guys will have the call of that one, so we'll be getting off, off a little bit early. But in the meantime... We will have a lot to do, birthdays and sports, as we always do, a nightly TV guide to conclude the show. We'll also have your phone calls at 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We'll also have uh, a preview of Auburn and Mississippi State as they're taking on the Bulldogs and Neville Arena on Saturday. We'll also preview, again, the NFL playoffs as what Super Wildcard Weekend is this weekend. Again, Ryan, Cam, and Brant with you here on this Friday. Cam, how are you, sir? Doing well, doing well, enjoying a great Friday, uh, ready for the weekend, ready to watch some Auburn basketball on uh, on Saturday as they face off against Mississippi State, and ready for some playoff, uh, some NFL playoff football. So, uh, yeah, gonna, ready for a great, busy sports weekend, and um, doing well, ready to work some Beauregard High School basketball, and um, hopefully the Hornets can get a win. Yeah, and uh, our second broadcast of the week for the Hornets, they had a very epic girls game on Tuesday night that uh, a foul and one to tie the game uh, at the buzzer, essentially .6 seconds left. However, the Hornets could not uh, get uh, through it in overtime. The boys played a really good Valley team that had been undefeated and showed why they were undefeated. But uh, I believe it's Tallahassee tonight for uh, Borgard, I'll double check that, but uh, another Hornets game on our airwaves that we're really excited about. Uh, our first couple of games here of the year. Brant Daughtry again on the show with us. Brant, hope you're doing well. I'm doing fantastic, man. Uh, ready for a playoff weekend, ready for more Auburn basketball tomorrow, uh, and yeah, ready for some high school basketball tonight. Uh, the Borgard Hornets, and you're right, it is the Tallahassee Tigers that they are hosting. Brooks is on his way to that here in, a, in about an hour, so uh, looking forward to that matchup as well. So a loaded sports weekend, and uh, I think uh, I think the NFL is going to be the focus for us uh, for yeah, for uh, for our viewing pleasure. But also Auburn basketball uh, is a big deal. Got a big one coming up against Mississippi State. Auburn basketball's looked a lot better. Outlined that a, a couple of times already this week, and hopefully they keep that momentum going. Yeah, this Auburn team now in a stretch of the schedule, and we can open up starting <coughs> with this for sure. In a stretch of the schedule that is much more manageable uh, than, say, the last seven or eight games of the year. Just coming off of the Ole Miss victory, again, Ole Miss 
looking like a bottom third team. Mississippi State has a good overall record, but they're just one and three in the SEC, and they are looking very suspect. Their only SEC win is at home against Ole Miss. Auburn then travels to LSU while it is a road game. LSU not getting off to a very fast start in the SEC. They also are 1-3. and three. And then after that, Auburn goes to South Carolina. South Carolina is also 1-3 and three in the SEC. And uh, they are uh, projected to f- be pretty bad this year. They have been bad so far. Then Auburn hosts Texas A&M. And again, any game in Neville Arena, especially against unranked teams, you got to love Auburn's chances. So Auburn has a little role here of SEC games that are very doable. Does not mean they will win every single one, but certainly the opportunity exists for them to go on a run on the heels of that Arkansas win last weekend and the Ole Miss win this week. So I think guys will start by just saying that this team uh, is starting to figure out its rotation. It's starting to figure out two or three guys that are starting to put together consistent performances for Auburn. Yeah, yeah. It seems uh, with that with those three, uh, Janai Broom, Wendell Green, and Alan Flanagan seem to be the three that are uh, consistently putting together solid, solid outings every game. Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, I mean, when uh, Wendell, you know, he had that rough game against Georgia, but he bounced back well against Arkansas and had a solid game against Ole Miss. Um, well, had, a, I think, his high-scoring game of the season, actually, against Ole Miss. Um, yeah, 23, I, I want to say. Um, so a new new season high for him against Ole Miss and, and played very, very well. Broom did his thing as well. Um, and Flanagan was uh, has be- is becoming more and more consistent, and that's exactly what we like to see from him. Um, going against Mississippi State, they were a team that were ra- that was ranked at one point in the top twenty-five. So, uh, and they've kind of fallen off, like you said, Ryan, um, as of late. Uh, once they got into SEC play, kind of struggled uh, struggled a little bit. Um, so you're you're interesting interested to see. Uh, how this game will play out. Uh, again, the SEC is not easy. They're no slouch whatsoever. Um, obviously, we can say that the worst team is South Carolina, but South Carolina just beat Kentucky in in Rupp Arena, so they play hard. They they play with tenacity and they play with fire, um, and they're they're coming out to win every single game, just like Auburn is. Um, but Mississippi State will be. It'll probably be more of a defensive game, um, not exactly the highest scoring game, um, unless Auburn manages to just kind of you know blow the blow the roof off with um with their offense i mean they have been playing pretty well 72 points against arkansas 82 points against old miss uh so um pretty well offensively want to keep that going um but mississippi state does have a tough defense but they they can't really score the ball all that much so it'll be interesting to see how um how well auburn plays and then branta you did a weekly preview here on this mississippi state team in this matchup this weekend and of course if you're looking for that out there you can go find it on the tiger.fm so brant what did you uh, find when you were kind of reviewing this matchup yeah i think cam hit the nail on the head they're a really good defensive team not a great offensive team uh most of their stuff that they do runs through their big men uh they've got two guys down low 1611 167 uh and, and they're the leading scorers for mississippi state and th- those two are going to be really the engine that drives this thing uh if i can pull up my own work here and remember their names uh, Tolu Smith and DJ Jeffries are the two guys that I think that Auburn fans need to watch out for but they don't shoot the ball particularly well which is it's tough to win against Auburn when you can't really shoot from three um Auburn has shown in the past couple of games they're willing to go to that zone pack it in the middle inside and say hey 
we dare you to beat us by shooting threes. Uh, and, and I think that we'll see a similar game plan against Mississippi State. And when Auburn has stuck to that zone, it's worked out really well, uh, most specifically against Arkansas. They, they ran zone for most of that game after not really running a whole lot of it the entire season and, and really held Arkansas in check, a, a really good offensive team. So I expect to see more of that going forward, especially when you're playing teams that aren't fantastic three-point shooters. Mississippi State falls into that category. So I, I think we'll see some of that. Um, and I think the on the Auburn side, your Cam's right again, the consistency that uh, you're seeing from these guys is really impressive. And, uh, you know, you've got the big three in Wendell, Flan, and uh, Janai Broom. And I think Janai Broom's going to have to have another big game uh, against Mississippi State. Um, and I think he can. I think he definitely can. But uh, you've, you've got other guys that are stepping up too a little bit. Chris Moore has been out, uh, or he's going to be out for this game in all likelihood. He had that shoulder injury against, uh, against Ole Miss. So, uh, hopefully he comes back sooner than later, but Alan Flanagan's going to have to step up even more than he has been. Uh, Leor Berman's been getting some more minutes at the at the three spot. Uh, he's going to have to hit a three or two just to to justify him getting those minutes. Uh, Jalen Williams has been a guy that he'll average seven eight points a night, but occasionally he'll go off for fifteen, and that gives you another great scoring option if one of those big three aren't there. He's a role player that's stepping up. Um, who else? Zeb Jasper. Zeb Jasper, defensive specialist that has started to find his shot a little bit. He's averaging six or seven uh, in SEC play. So a, a great a great job of everybody kind of coming together at the right time uh, for Auburn at the start of SEC play. And you just really hope that going forward that the experience that you have, this is a very old college basketball team, and you're hoping that the experience that those guys have can lead them uh, to more success as we as we get into what you guys are correct in saying is probably the weakest part of Auburn's schedule in the conference. These next six games are all very winnable. Now, it's unlikely that you win all six of them just because of the way college basketball is, but all six of these games you should be favored going into. Yeah, and when you mentioned Mississippi State's team, I mean, this team that averages 65 points a game that by no means is a high-scoring mark. Uh, shoot at about 30% from three. We've seen a lot of those teams recently. It feels like Auburn's around that mark. Arkansas uh, entered play last weekend, I recall, at like 29.3 from three. They're not a great shooting team either. Mississippi State's best player, as you said, Tolu Smith, uh, just for those that are not aware, is a big guy. He's 6'11", 245. So he only plays about 25 minutes a game. I don't know if that's foul difficulty or stamina or that sort of thing. But uh, that uh, their best player is a big guy. They don't have anyone else that averages double digits other than Tolu Smith. So Smith's going to be, I, I don't want to say he's quite Colin Castleton, but this might be a similar concept to the Florida game right. where they're their big man is clearly their best player, and it's going to be on Auburn's bigs, in particular Janai Broom, to shut him down. And Janai Broom, as we know, did an incredible job of that uh, against Colin Castleton. I was watching the game the other day with Florida involved, and Castleton had like five blocks in the first half. He was yelling and screaming and long necking and yeah. he was just all over the place <laughs> and uh brontosaurus and, rex looking yeah, and man. so i basically confirmed for everyone that colin castleton still quite good but auburn did a excellent job against him and so this will be another test of that interior defense yeah definitely a test uh and, and you're right it's going to be janai who's going to draw that assignment uh and dylan as well both of those two bigs are going to get a lot of work uh in this mississippi state game um, and and it's really going to be up to up to those two 
to really anchor the defense uh, per se because, I mean, like you said, there's nobody else that, that averages double digits. So I'm not going to say they're not a scoring threat. Obviously, everybody that plays is, is a scoring threat. But if you can eliminate – if you can eliminate uh, Tolu Smith like um, like Auburn eliminated Colin Castleton, you'll be set up for success. Yeah, absolutely. We will have a little bit more on this game as we go through the show. Again, a shortened sports call today, just two hours. Get your phone calls in on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. When we come back, we will go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. Stay tuned. This Friday edition of Sports Call continues in a moment. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Sports Call. Ryan Lloyd, Canberry, and Brent Daughtry with you here. Having a lot of fun. Again, short and show. It's going to fly by fast, so we're not going to uh, waste too much time today. Not that we're in the business of wasting time. No, uh, we, we are sometimes. Well, that's when we talk food, which <laughs> I love food. Uh, it I is a filler at times. It's fun. Um, maybe yeah. one day. If, if Is there like a national food day? Or something where we could just like I know there are like different national days of a particular yeah. food right if there's like a national food day we could just like change the show format for that day to be like a food call and everyone call <laughs> in about their favorite foods but uh usually when we're talking about that sort of stuff we're trying to or not trying to waste time but we are uh we're in filler mode for for whatever reason uh and now this is starting to drag on here and we need to go to our auburn bank phone line 334-887-341 locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to join us here on again this shortened edition of sports call first up on the auburn bank phone line today james from montgomery james joins us james how are you doing i'm good and war eagle war eagle <clears throat> yeah i do apologize about that i'm actually looking at uh at some uh baby names as well oh all right well uh n- no apologies needed yeah, so it's uh, it's um, something that I uh, gotta do my uh, early fatherly duties as well. Right, and you said uh, you were trying to uh, plan a family with your uh, new significant other, and, and potentially coming at the end of this year. Yes, it's, uh, it's actually coming in October. Oh wow! Well, everything's moving very quickly for you, James. Yes, as well. So it's um, you know we're just trying to you know trying to do everything right. But um, about the sports, um, uh, I would have to say about Tom Brady and seeing um, is this going to be his last time playing in the NFL? Right. That is a uh, very interesting question for sure. We might talk a little bit about it later. But obviously, at age forty-five, there's 
Always going to be that speculation, as there was last year and the year before that, on uh, if it's going to be his final year. And obviously, if they lose, then uh, then it very well could be his last game, at least in a box uniform. So uh, that will be uh, a big storyline once he is eliminated from the postseason. Yes, that's well because I mean, the age forty-five. I mean, he's actually done uh, so much in the NFL. He's played with the New England Patriots for one year. And he's played with uh, Tampa for another year. So I'll probably, you know, if it was me, if I was like the the person, the head person over the the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I'll probably put him in. in I will actually vote him in as one of the greatest uh, quarterbacks of all time that actually played with two different franchise NFL teams as well. Yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that, James. I do think Brady's going uh, immediately into the Hall of Fame as, as soon as he is eligible. Obviously played with the Patriots for 20 or so years and now been at the uh, the Buccaneers for three. And uh, He has accomplished a lot in his career for sure, and uh, he's going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, love given to him once he officially retires. Yes, I saw because he, he is the GOAT. He's the legend. He's uh, you know he's like the fra- he's like the face of the of the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers franchise, and he's uh, he's a great guy. He's uh, done so much in his career uh, playing with New England, and uh, I've actually seen uh, some of his highlights from when he was at the NFL uh, draft, and he was drafted I think 299th overall pick for the New England Patriots as well. Almost 199. Uh, he was a late six-round yeah, pick. But, yeah, that, uh, that photo of him at the Combine has uh, definitely made the rounds multiple times throughout his career. And uh, no one knew then that he would become what he would become and uh, certainly means a lot to the sport. And uh, it will be sad to see him go whenever that is. Yes, as well. And then I've been hearing a lot about uh, Derek Carr from uh, the Las Vegas Raiders and if. Um, if Derek Carr wants to actually keep playing in the NFL, I think Tampa would be his next stop on on his uh, search for a new home as well. Interesting. From one pirate uh, organization to the other. Uh, I know Derek Carr, obviously we talked a little bit about him yesterday, uh, is going to be in need of a new home. It looks like Raiders and Carr are kind of mutually agreeing that this was the end of the line for him. And obviously, if Tom Brady does retire or leaves the Bucks, the Bucks will be in need of a quarterback. So uh, the, the only thing there is what would Derek Carr's uh, salary number be and how much would the Bucks have to eat because the Bucks will be uh, in some cap difficulties for the next couple of years. But I know Derek Carr will have a starting role in the NFL for another team next year, and there's going to be a handful of teams that are going to have that need and, and be interested in Carr, and, and we'll see if the Bucks are one of them. Yes, that's well, because I mean, with uh, Derek Carr having a great uh, career running record at uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders, and I mean, the Raiders there are the Las Vegas Raiders are like the old classic Oakland Raiders that John Madden actually coached years ago in the Super Bowl, and I mean, it it is just you know seeing so many uh, like when I see the Oakland the Las Vegas Raiders. And I actually see the the history of that of that franchise team, and seeing so many great guys of of um, of the past with the Raiders, like 
Bart, uh, you know, Kenny Stabler and, uh, you know, Bart Starr and all those guys that played with the Raiders. That is just an iconic team that's never going to, that's never going to turn out their light as well. Yeah, Kenny Stabler for sure. Uh, Bart Starr is is known for his time as a Packer, but uh, yeah, I think the Raiders obviously are one of the more historic organizations, and it was very interesting to see them move from Oakland a few years ago. It looks like things are working out well for them in Las Vegas. Their stadium is awesome. They've gotten uh, good, solid fan support. They've had no issues with that. And uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a rough year for the Raiders on the field this year. They they blew a lot of leads and, and lost a lot of close games. But Raiders still definitely a classic organization. Yes, yeah, so well because I know they just got eliminated, but maybe next year in twenty twenty four they might make another uh, another pass at it and actually you know in twenty twenty four when they do. The uh, playoffs next year, I think the Raiders, I would probably say the Raiders and Cowboys would actually play a really good uh, Super Bowl whenever that time comes in 2024. But if the Cowboys can't uh, get that in 2024, I'll probably say I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Oakland Raiders as well. All right. Well, uh, the Steelers and Raiders would have to meet up in the uh, AFC Championship game, but uh, uh, the winner of that game could make the Super Bowl, obviously. Both those teams missing the playoffs this year. They were kind of still involved, though, up until the last week or two. But still, again, you you named some uh, classic organizations there for sure. Yes, as well, because with uh, Super Bowl right around the corner, um, I've, I've actually seen so many great uh, highlights from Super Bowl one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and it keeps going. And 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 this is actually not my first rodeo. Actually, of watching uh, this year's uh, Super Bowl, so this will be. I have lost count on how many Super Bowls I've watched over the years as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, probably one per year, and then as you said, if you've been uh, if you've been watching the highlights of all the ones from before you were born, you've probably got uh, caught up to speed on just about all of them. Yes, as well, and then with me actually playing a lot of different uh, football games on my Xbox, I always do like a little, like a little, um, I do like a little Super Bowl uh, matchup as well with like different teams. I probably do. Uh, I did uh, last. Couple of, last couple of Super Bowls I've done on uh, Madden, I did a classic matchup with the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys of Super Bowl One, and I actually put that game out in Miami as well. All right, in Miami, I got you. Well, James, uh, did you watch last night by any chance your Mavericks and the Lakers? That was a very uh, exciting double overtime game. Yes, I actually did watch that. I was like trying to stay wide awake for that and it was it was an amazing uh it was an amazing thing to see Luca actually, you know, doing so many great things with that team as well. And I'm hoping that he'll I'm hoping that he'll get MVP in the All Star weekend that's coming up uh next week as well. Well and he might be able to win MVP of the league too this year. We'll just have to see how things go. There's Always three or four really incredible candidates for MVP, but uh, certainly Luca's going to be towards the top of everyone's list as he continues to pull in these 30-point triple-doubles and uh, do all these. Uh, he's had several game-tying or winning shots already this year. He had two game-tying shots just last night. 
Uh, so mm-hmm. Luke has been incredible. Yes, as well. And then um, with the All Star uh, weekend right around the corner, I know it's going to be an, it's going to be a really really good um, All Star weekend. It's going to be in Utah, so that's really going to be a really good thing as well. And um, you know, a lot of people that like to watch the All Star break, they do, they still have a chance of picking their players before the uh, voting ends uh, this coming up weekend as well. So it ends uh, tomorrow as well. Yeah, the uh, the fans kind of uh, select who's going to be going to the All-Star game with some uh, other input from coaches and other players. And then uh, the players then uh, kind of, as you alluded to, they they pick their own rosters. And that's something the league's uh, implemented the last couple of years. Another little uh, thing to make it a little bit more dramatic, and I, I think it's been a success. Well, James, uh, before we let you go, uh, tell us uh, your prediction here for this uh, Auburn-Mississippi State game this weekend. I would have to say Auburn 58 to Mississippi, to Mississippi State 28. That would be super low scoring. Uh, I think Auburn would take any 30-point victory that they could get, but that would be very low scoring. Yes, that's well, because, I mean, this is – um, it's a throwback game tomorrow, so it, it's going to be really iconic. I wish I was there to actually, uh, you know, um, be in person to see, you know, some of the some of the great uh, games that Auburn has played over the years. But it would be my honor to actually um, watch this game and um, root on the Tigers to uh, the March Madness tournament that's coming up March as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all excited to to watch Auburn, and and now that they are getting some momentum, starting to feel better about uh, the NCAA tournament situation, and we'll be looking forward towards uh, towards March for that as well. Well, James, we appreciate the phone call today, and uh, we hope you have a great weekend, and, and we look forward to hearing from you again next week. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next commercial break of the show today. More Sports Call coming up after this. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, last Sports Call of the Week. I'm Ryan LaVoy. Got Cam Berry and Brent Daughtry with me here. Just talked to James from Montgomery on our Auburn Bank phone line. Again, just a two-hour sports call. Going to keep broadcasting that. Just a two-hour sports call today. Borgard High School basketball starting around 5 o'clock on our airwaves. The girls and the boys play tonight. Timson, Brooks Childress, 
will be on the call. That one, Cam Berry, will be helping produce the game back here in our studio. So uh. we look forward to that this evening. A little Friday night hoops. You, you missed the, the Friday night light, so we'll uh, give you Friday night <laughs> hoops instead. All right. Uh, time for a segment we do each and every day. It's time for birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Birthdays in Sports today, Doug Martin. The Duggernaut, the Muscle Hamster. The muscle Hamster. Muscle Hamster is the hardest nickname in the history of the NFL. Uh, turns 34 today, former NFL running back, selected 31st overall in the 2012 NFL Draft by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of Boise State. Also played one season for the then Oakland Raiders. He was in first-team All-Pro in the NFL in 2015, two-time Pro Bowler. 2012 Pro Football Writers Association All-Rookie Team. Had kind of an up-and-down career because, as usual with running backs that start out good, they get injured oftentimes. Yep. But a uh, very powerful runner, Doug Martin, turns 34 today. You like mustard, yeah. muscle hamster. I almost I, said mustard I, I, hamster. Mustard hamster. <laughs> which would not uh, be it. No, I, I would not like a mustard hamster. But, yeah, it's, muscle hamster is a great nickname. It's made even funnier by the fact that I think he hated that nickname. Doug Martin did not like being called the muscle hamster most but, uh, people would like me calling a hamster in any any regards so, <laughs> yeah, even yeah, if it's fair. positive but yeah it was was a, a phenomenal running back for like a year and a half and like you said he got hurt but uh when he was healthy he was uh, a lot of fun to watch for sure james posey turns 46 current assistant coach for the washington wizards and former nba small forward selected 18th overall in the 1999 NBA Draft by the Denver Nuggets out of Xavier. Also played for the Houston Rockets, Memphis Grizzlies, Miami Heat, Boston Celtics, New Orleans Hornets, Indiana Pacers, and any other team that you might have enjoyed. Two-time NBA <laughs> champion, 2000 NBA All-Rookie second teamer, 1999 first team All-Atlantic 10 at Xavier as an assistant coach, 2016 NBA champion with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. James Posey turns 46 today reading these guys fighting lebrons reading these guys over the years has just made me realize that you might think of even a role player even a quality player as in one or two different uniforms but they all play for six or seven teams at some point oh yeah for sure Um, i think of james posey a little bit uh, for the Celtics, a yeah, little Posey, bit for the Heat. Yep, as I was um, saying, the P- Posey won his championships with the Heat and, and the Celtics. Right, but then I mean, still you have Hornets, Pacers, Grizzlies, and Rockets all beside that. So and and was drafted by the Nuggets. So there you go. And then uh, lastly, we got Elmer Descends turns 52 today. Former MLB pitcher, played for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Cincinnati Reds, <laughs> Arizona Diamondbacks, Los Angeles Dodgers, Kansas City Royals, Milwaukee Brewers, Colorado Rockies, Atlanta Braves. And New York Metropolitans, by my count, that is nine. That is almost a third of Major League Baseball. That is the life of a relief pitcher in Major League Baseball. Elmer Descends turns 52 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. For for every like sixth man that rotates through three or four or five NBA teams, there is, like you said, a relief pitcher or a utility guy that has played for half of the Major League Baseball. Yep. It's insane. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, they get picked up by the, this the like, Charlie Culbersons and the Matthew Delavadovas and guys like that. Th- these relief pitchers get picked up by 
Uh, teams that are young, that don't know if they can compete or not, they want someone to chaperone some of the youngins <laughs> in the bullpen. And then July the 31st, they get shipped to a contender for three months to try and help their bullpen in the playoffs. And then they do it all over again the next year, the next year, the next year. Uh, and it's fun to see the country, though. <laughs> right. I mean, those guys, look, it's fun to – Fun to get the the million dollar paychecks and and go to ten, that, that ten major markets over your too. career. Yeah. Amen. Uh, so let's uh, let's keep going here. I got a couple news items to get to, and first and foremost, uh, some more coordinating news. Yesterday, we shared the news of Clemson hiring Garrett Riley to be their offensive coordinator. Uh, moving on from, I believe, Brandon Streeter. Uh, Clemson needing a jolt here as the likes of Florida State start to nip on the heels. And now Alabama, not necessarily their own doing, although I think if you read between the, the lines, yeah, if you read yeah. between the lines, this was kind of what they wanted to have happen anyway. But Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator at Alabama, is moving on. He has taken the position at Ole Miss to be their defensive coordinator, joining Lane Kiffin there. Uh, they did not overlap on the staff at Alabama, to my knowledge. Golding has been the D.C. at Alabama for the last four years, and obviously Kiffin's now had three years at Ole Miss. Before that, he had three years at FAU. So they did not overlap there. But Pete Golding moving on to Ole Miss. And, guys, we were talking during the break a little bit about this, and we seem to be in agreement. I think this is a situation where – Neither side really it was in their best interest to continue status quo. I don't think Alabama people necessarily love the job that Pete Golding was doing. I don't think Pete Golding was uh, bad enough not to warrant some other job. And so, therefore, Pete Golding getting another opportunity at an SEC school trying to better himself show that he is a good coordinator while at the same time Alabama now has an opportunity to, to hire uh, even a better coordinator. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about this is he's going from Nick Saban, who's a guy who's made his mark on defense and has very much been responsible for the defense for the, for the majority of his career, uh, to Lane Kiffin, who wants absolutely nothing to do with the defense and is basically going to allow Golding to be the head coach of that defense. So I'm very interested to see what that dynamic is, how much of Pete Golding's success at Alabama varying, though it may have been, had to do with him being a, D, a good D.C. and how much of it was well, he's riding Nick Saban's coattails, and it's impossible to lose at Alabama. Um, I, I'm interested to see what he does. I think, I think, like you said, this is a deal that makes everybody a little bit better. Pete Golding was not the guy that um, Alabama fans wanted him to be, even though he certainly was was not bad. But again, they have super high standards at Alabama for a reason. Um, and I'm curious as to uh, as to what he can do at Ole Miss, a team with significantly lower standards but he's going to have a little bit more freedom and uh the the pressure may not be as high when pete golding first got there they had the looks like the number two defense in the country in 2019 uh they then kind of declined a little bit here these last three years 2020 uh they were 13th i mean all this is still going to be very good 13th 2021 they were 18th which is below standard and then 2022 they were ninth so 
they really? ha- had that top three defense, yeah. uh, regressed a little bit. Again, when you're 18th, you're still beating 90% of the country, right. but not like Alabama had been accustomed to. And this year, they returned back to the top 10. But again, let me read you before Pete Golding. So like I said, 2019 was second. 2018th was uh, 12th, so not uh, incredible the year before there. Uh, 2017, they were first. They allowed 11.9 points a game. 2016, they were first. They allowed 13 points a game. 2015, they were third. Uh, 2014, they were sixth. 2013, they were fourth. 2012, they were first. And that was the really, really good defensive team. That Can, uh, I, can I go on record? I yeah. think 2012 was the best Alabama team that they've had during this run. They, I think that was the best team that Nick Saban ever coached. So twelve, they allowed. So maybe I'm confused. Twelve, they had ten point nine points a game allowed. Twenty eleven, twenty eleven, they allowed eight points per game. That, that was the top defense. Uh, even in twenty, even in twenty ten, when they lost three games, they were third in the country at ten and a half a game. Uh, second in two thousand nine. And 2008, the first year they went to the SEC title game, they were seventh. Go, so, so I want to I want to do a, a quick an analysis thing right here. You said in 2017, what they were third in the country. Uh, I'm going to have to scroll back here. Uh, one second. They were. <laughs> bless you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't, no need to ignore that one. Everyone heard that one. It's okay. I tried. Uh, <laughs> I tried to cover it. <laughs> uh, so 20. 16 they were first 2017 they were first 2018 they were 12th what was the points per game 2019 they were 13th i think i said third for that they were they've never been top three i think i said third and i was looking at their offense uh their points per game in 2018 was again they were 12th in the country allowing 18.1 points a game okay uh 2017 they were first at 11.9 Twenty. Okay. Not, okay. Tw- never mind. I, I, so uh, what I wanted to go back there is just like, man, how much has football changed in that Alabama used to get away with allowing ten points a game, and now they're third at allowing like seven t- or whatever. But I misheard something. I was yeah. Just no, gonna, I, I was said using that, those stats to outline like how different the sport is. You know, I said they were third, and that was incorrectly. I was looking at their offense number that year. This year was actually the best they finished in the country under Golding in his four years, which was ninth. The other three years they were in the teens, which again still really good. But as I just relayed right. to you, they went three, four years in a row at being first, and then they had a second and a third in there, and then they were back to first. So from like 2009 to 2016 or 17, they were first in the country defensively like five times. They were third once or twice. They were fourth once. And so now, so even though football has changed a little bit and those numbers are a little different, going into the teams these last three or four years, even though, again, 110 programs would take that, uh, that is actually some of the worst, really the worst Alabama defenses since Nick Saban got there over these last three years. And they just can't stand for that. I mean, You don't like 18th. Well... I mean, I'm just saying. Normally, I would be fine yeah, with I mean, it too. But crazy. if you're, if you've set a standard that yeah. you've been able to maintain for seven or eight years, uh, yeah. and you know you've got a coach that still slants on the defensive side of the ball, there's no reason to right. accept a, a decline. And 
And and look, Alabama obviously did not make a playoff this year, right. and uh, so some of that, some of that, very little. It's not like the program overall is slipping. I, I don't think it is, just because it had one year that didn't make the playoff. But if you've just got a defense that over time is pretty consistently not what it was, that could lead to slippage right. if you're not careful. If you try don't try to reset the standard, and so and the reality is again, we're Auburn people. It's 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 been very rough to watch this for for <laughs> yeah. ten plus years, twelve hey, plus man. years. But the, I mean, if they have been first, second, third for like seven straight years, and then for four straight years you're not there, then something has changed. And last time I checked, Nick Saban's still an excellent football coach. He has not really changed. I mean, he changed some offense around, and Alabama's now one of the best offenses in the country usually from year to year. Uh, but, I mean, their defense, look, it doesn't matter that the style has changed. I'm talking. I'm not talking points per game here. I'm talking relative to the other 120-some schools here. They've not been finishing in the same position the last three three to four years under Golding. Yeah, I, I, and, and certainly I – I understand why Alabama has the standards they do. What I am more looking forward to from an Auburn perspective is when Nick Saban retires and they kind of regress to the norm, they're still going to be a top 20, top 15 program in the country, but they're not going to be competing for national championships every single year. And that's the collapse that I can't wait to see. Because <laughs> right. they're, they're still going to be one of the best programs in the country, and it's just going to – the way that – Right. That fan base will react to that. It's going to be similar to what we're seeing out of Kentucky basketball now, even though I don't think Alabama football is going to collapse as hard as what right. we're seeing from Kentucky. Right, and obviously we we know the play the hypotheticals, and it always depends on who they hire, what he does. Yes. Certainly when you're replacing one of, if not the greatest of all time, there's going to be some drop there unless you accidentally hire the next greatest of all time. Which, and you can um, argue they accidentally hired this guy because, remember, they wanted Richard Rodriguez. Right. So, uh, so you know, I think that there um, is is good reason for them to, to not have loved Golding just based off of that. Again, not overall slippage, but just with their defense in particular, not up to the level that they had had the previous eight or so years. So it'd be interesting to see where they go DC-wise if they have a reunion with Jeremy Pruitt that was there or 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 what or what kind of name they can pull and again Nick Saban you know is obviously of older age and I, I don't know if I don't know how much longer he'll go. We, we've had this discussion probably for 10 years, and it was very premature yeah. 10 years ago, but <laughs> it's now starting to become a little more realistic. The dude is 70 or 71, and he won't coach till he's 100. Um, so does he have five years left? Does he have seven years left? Is it just a couple more years? We don't know for sure. Um, but when I'm looking at this, let's see what he does here because – there's there was a world if Saban had decided to retire a little younger and and not go kind of till he just literally can't do it anymore, where Kirby Smart would have been their next head coach and and you would have seen uh, what would have could have happened there and that could have been the quote accidentally stumbling into the next great the next greatest there we'll, we're seeing what's happening at Georgia so my thought is does Nick Saban go with somebody that kind of has that head coaching experience that has been in the program before that is more something that he's more comfortable with more of a classic hire for coaches that still has a proven track record of being great like I said Jeremy Pruitt bad head coach but still a very good defensive coordinator everyone would agree to that 
Or does he go with someone that is a little younger? It doesn't seem like his style. Uh, although Kirby Smart was obviously very young when he first became DC there. He had worked with him a little bit, I think, with the Dolphins uh, beforehand. So he did, was familiar with Smart. But does he go with somebody a, a little bit younger and with the idea that maybe that becomes the successor in, in five, six years, whenever uh, that might be? Because, again, Saban at 70 or 71 – uh, you know, and and he holds himself to a high standard too. I, right. No disrespect to a Bobby Bowden or so, but I don't think he's going to let it go to seven and five a couple of years before uh-huh. he decides to kind of get helped out on the uh, on the way out. He if he if it actually slips for him, he's probably going to retire very quickly after that. So it might never slip. He might go five more years. They might be awesome, and then he rides off after a championship. But um, nevertheless, I think this is within the decade now that it's going to happen. It's going to happen within the next 10 years. I'd like when 2012 or 2013, everyone's like, well, how much longer has he got? Urban right. Meyer just phoned it in for the second time. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, it's not obviously that situation. So I don't know. This DC might hire, might have uh, this hire, might have some implications there. And then also, by the way, it's not going to shock me if one of these shows here in the near future, we're talking about Bill O'Brien leaving too. Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah, Bill O'Brien. That would not surprise me uh, in the in the slightest if uh, they were willing to move on from him. I think there was some frustration there throughout the season uh, with with Alabama fans uh, of some of his play calling and his decision making, his lack of usage um, for um, Jameer Gibbs, even um, in some excuse me in some situations. Um, yeah, I mean, it could all be setting up for the future. Uh, you never know. And, and you know that meme where you see the Vince Carter one where he's like, I got one more in me. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. what, that's what I think every time I think Saban, he goes year to year. He's like, I got one more in me. Uh, so he's just going to keep going. I think you're probably right. It, it, they'll, he'll probably ride off on, on a championship. And uh, if – you know, if he continues to recruit at a high level and bring in the talent, keep the play callers in, and then you never know when it comes to the predecessor or um, who, who's going to follow him. Because the successor, yeah, yeah, the successor. Excuse me. Um, a lot of people kind of speculated that Lynn Kiffin could be there. Um, I don't know how much momentum that might still have, um, but not if he goes yeah. to eight wins a year at all. <laughs> no, no, that will not continue. Uh, but. There was some talk about that, uh, especially when you know there was talk about him getting the Auburn job. Well, it's like, well, if he goes to Auburn, there's no chance he has he has, he can go to Bama. That's just that's just how it works. You can't go to the go to the school across the state. It's just not how how it goes. Um, and so you never know. But maybe that's why Kiffin ended up staying in at Ole Miss and how that ended up working out. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, I think. Um I don't know if Saban's in the business of, of hiring successors. I think he's in the business of hiring Being guys like who are going to help, help him win. Yeah. And then it's up to Alabama who they want to succeed Nick Saban. But um, I, winning doesn't get old. Winning never gets old. And as long as Nick Saban is winning, then I think he's going to stay at Alabama. And uh, you, you know, I don't know how long that'll be. But I think he's going to win until he feels like he can anymore. Yeah, um, certainly this year was the first kind of talking point for a while. It's like, wow, didn't make the the playoff, uh, I guess, first time since 2019, just second time overall. And so it was a little interesting year. And so some changes at Alabama. Again, Pete Golding on his way to Ole Miss. Alabama now will be searching for a new defensive coordinator. We are searching for a timeout. We're out of time here 
in hour number one. Again, stay tuned. Just a two-hour show today. So on the other side of this break, we'll continue to preview Auburn basketball against Mississippi State and a look at the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. That is ahead here on this Friday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two underway here of Sports Call here on this Friday, and it also happens to be our last hour for the week. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brent Dockery with you here on this Friday afternoon. Again, reminder, Borgard High School basketball coming up just about an hour from now. Right here on Tiger 95.9 from the Hive at Beauregard High School. Tim Sin, Brooks Childers, and the guys will be on the call of that one. So let's go ahead and go back to our Auburn Bank phone line to open up our number 2-334-887-341 locally and toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the show today. Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for asking. And uh, hey, happy uh, Friday 13th, guys. Yeah, you know, I haven't even brought that up yet, right. and I, I don't even know if I realized it till just before the show. But yeah, this is like a uh, a horror fan's favorite uh, favorite Friday Ooh. of the month. Well, I don't know if you guys are superstitious, uh, but to borrow a uh, comment from uh, Michael or Steve Carell uh, from the office when asked uh, was he superstitious, you know, he said, "No, I'm stitious." <laughs> There you go. Yeah, another great Michael so Scott quote. That's, that's what I am. I'm stitious. All right. Uh, moving on before real quickly, guys, I just want to make a real quick comment. Yesterday about we were talking about who in the world would be watching the uh, the next championship game beyond the, the, the second half even. And uh, uh, I want to let you know, Brian, I was out of, I was out of line. I was a bit uh, judgmental and uh, didn't mean to be dismissive with you uh, saying that you watched the game anyway for entertainment purposes because last – college football game so uh, i just want to show uh uh that uh, that was something uh, that i didn't like doing and uh, i'll do better not being dismissive in the, in the future with you you know all all good steve uh, no offense was taken uh like i said just just enjoying the final moments of football season if even if it wasn't a competitive game but uh, again no offense was taken you're all good all right thank you all right uh mr uh camberry and uh is it Brent also, right? Yeah, Brent is on the show. He is uh, is helping uh, Brooks with something real quick as they get packed up or Brooks gets packed up to go to Borgard, but uh, Cam's I'm in here. the studio right now. Yep. All right. About tomorrow night's game. I did not know that uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Janai Broom is uh, 
making history real quickly and couldn't make it tomorrow night. I'm reading this from uh, Mark Murphy, and Janiah Broom will try to become the first Auburn player to finish with five consecutive double-double performances since Jeff Moore, who was a center back then, did it in 1987-1988 season. Woo! Wow. It's a long time. It's been a he long can time, do it, though. 35 years. 35 years. No, no, 25. Yeah, 30. 35, yeah. yeah. 35 years, yeah. Uh, Jeff Moore, I didn't know this, he recently passed away in 2022. But uh, that's quite a long time for this record by uh, Janai Broom to be um, to, to be tied with that. And to me, even more remarkable is I didn't know this, but Mr. Janai Broom was a three-star when he uh, went to, uh, to Moorhead State. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could have probably guessed that yeah, just because he's going to Moorhead State, but uh, again, that's what the the portal does. Some of these guys that were under recruited out of high school, I, I, I assume Wendell Green Jr. was not a highly touted player uh, who uh, out of high school either, as he went to Eastern Kentucky, and yet there are a couple of Auburn's most important players. Alan Flanagan was a three star guy, as a matter of fact, that went straight to Auburn. So Bruce Pearl's recruited very well, but also part of great recruiting is getting those guys that are a little under recruited yep. and seeing something in them Bad that chip. others did not. Well, uh, give me some some thoughts about this. Uh, was their, I guess, performance what it is now uh, because of the system that they played in before and this system now was better uh, for them, or was it coach uh, development? Well, I, I think for those guys, I mean, they're playing at a, a, a smaller level of, of college basketball, right. and so they probably had – uh, maybe offenses tailored to them or to whoever the best player on the team was. And I think when you go to a bigger school with Auburn, now obviously they've still been successful, but it's not always about one guy when you're a bigger school like an SEC school trying to contend for for championships and NCAA tournament berths and, and all that. And so I think what you're just seeing is maybe a more appreciation because it's not like numbers-wise these guys are doing things they didn't do at these other schools. The numbers might have actually been better in some cases at the smaller school. But, again, that's because they've got smaller competition. They don't have as many good players on their own team with them. So it's all centered around them. So for here to go to Auburn, you've got to fit in in different ways. And a part of the coach's job is to make sure that you can still utilize those strengths, but making them fit into the bigger picture as well. Okay, because I'm also thinking about someone like Mr. Walter Kessler, who didn't do hardly anything where he was at at uh, North Carolina, but then comes over to, to us and is a first-round pick. Yeah. Well, Walker was severely underutilized uh, at North Carolina, uh, North Carolina. I don't know if Ryan agrees with me. He just didn't – in the system, I don't think really at North Carolina fit – Walker Kessler style of play as much. Um, he was kind of considered sort of like a stretch big. Auburn didn't even use him as much as a stretch big, um, but that was kind of what he was considered. Um, but uh, he was a five star talent, right? We knew that. We knew he was um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Georgia Georgia's Mr. Basketball that year. So he was considered the best player in the state of Georgia. Um, I think that would be, I guess, two years ago, three years ago, three years ago. Uh, three years ago, uh, he was considered the best player in the state of Georgia. So, you know, him ending up being a first-round pick and, and his talent was not is not surprising. Okay. Well, uh, I'm, I'm hoping tomorrow night will be a home game that will allow Mr. Uh, Broom to uh, 
uh, tie that record. Yep, it will be an interesting matchup with him and Tolu Smith. We were talking a little bit about that uh, right. earlier. That is Mississippi State's best player. So that will be a, a – uh, regardless of Broom going for that for that streak, I mean, that is a very key matchup in the game. Do you see this being like a, a game, like a total one th- in the 130s? Uh, it, are you saying the total is in the 130s? or right. what, is that I mean, what? Do you think the total will be in the 130s? Uh, I I would feel a seventy to sixty five type of game. That's one thirty five. So yeah, low one thirties, mid one thirties. Okay. So you don't think we'll do the eighty like we did against the Ole Miss end? I I mean it's definitely possible because Auburn is at home. I generally feel better about Auburn as uh, offense at home, but also they they played a pretty low scoring game with Arkansas, relatively speaking, or at least a normal scoring game. And also I'd factor in that Mississippi State's not a very good offensive team too, and, and that takes two to tango. So uh, I, Mississippi State will want the game to be slower and more physical. Uh, Auburn necessarily is not as adept at running the floor as they have been in, in most other Bruce Pearl years. So there's definitely a shot at this game being a little bit more of a slugfest. Uh, just real quickly, too, uh, I keep reading about you know on two four seven sports about Chance Westry possibly making uh, you know a show eventually. Uh, guys, did do you know anything about Chance? You know, uh, is he going to be uh, playing this season or well, what's going on? So, do you want to take it around? No, you got it. So it doesn't look like Chance is going to be playing this season. Um, Justin Ferguson uh, kind of took a little bit of a quote from from what Bruce said today that he just hasn't been fully healthy. Apparently his knee is like constantly like lo- like dislocating as, as he's moving around a lot and it's just extremely uncomfortable. Um, Bruce said he thinks that next year chance will be one of the best players on the team. Uh, and so that just kind of alludes to us saying that we more than likely we will not see um, more of any more uh, of chance Westry this season. So he'll get a medical? No, I, I believe he's I played he's, too many games yeah, he, to he's just, just going to have to sit and you know sit and take it and and learn. It's not really like we considered him to be a one and done anyway. Uh, and so next year he'll just come back fully healthy and ready to uh, play. Play. Um, another quick question: My son insists that uh, the reason the SEC teams. Or beating up on each other because they're all mediocre. They're bad. Do you agree with that assessment or not? No, I mean I think the SEC is acting like a pretty normal conference. They've yeah, got they've got two elite tier teams that are going to have an opportunity to to go to the Final Four in in April, and then they've got three or four other surefire tournament teams that are going to lose some road games, but usually take care of their home games, and then they got a couple bubble teams, and so. It's. I think it's a pretty. Sta- nor- I don't want to say status quo, but it's a pretty normal looking league where you've got a couple of clear tiers, you've got a couple of really good teams, a couple of very inconsistent teams, some bad teams thrown in there. Uh, nothing strikes me as out of the ordinary with this conference. Okay, uh, real quickly, uh, is Alabama not beatable? I mean, they're they're gonna lose yeah, at some point, but they are very good they're and a very uh, talented team. They're they're going to only lose a couple times this year. They're, that Auburn at Auburn will be an opportunity for them to lose when they play Tennessee. Those are those are gonna. Be, I don't know if they play Tennessee once or twice, but that will be a must watch game. Once. 
six playing and once. at uh, Tuscaloosa. Okay, that that will be a must-watch game. Uh, but but certainly, if they can go handle business at Arkansas, uh, they can uh, swamp Kentucky the way they did. Uh, every road game, you can keep an eye on it, but uh, they're not going to lose many this year. Well, you know, if you're an Auburn fan, you know, at least I'm saying, gee, does this never end? You know, is uh, from from football we go to now they're you know up there in basketball. I, I, like I'm, I'm caught in some kind of you know uh, hellish uh, Auburn sports nightmare here. You know. Yeah, it's certainly not improving. Uh, Auburn Auburn had a few years to enjoy basketball success that Alabama did not, but now uh, Nate Oates has uh, has Alabama now in a good place with, with basketball wise. So uh, certainly, the one year Alabama did not have the football year they wanted, they are now obviously having a very great basketball year. All right, and finally, guys, I'd like maybe we don't have enough time today, but maybe we continue it next week. Uh, I I really enjoy your comments, you know, about you know Tom Brady. Uh, maybe this is maybe his last. And final year, and how great he really is at his age. Uh, I grew up though in the 1670s, watching some really, really great quarterbacks. And I'd like for you to tell me you know, where do you think Tom Brady fits uh, with these quarterbacks? And I'll I'll throw them out at you: Dan Marino, right? Uh, John Elway, yep. Joe Montana, Steve Young, Roger Staubach, Brett Favre. Where would you put him among those? Would you put him at the top of all those people I just named off or somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, I I do consider Brady the greatest of all time. Uh, I think Montana is probably above those others. I I know Marina was awesome. Uh, And it gets into the greatness versus best. And best pertains more to skill and just you as a player. And then greatness pertains to uh, accolades and meeting the moment. Obviously, skills involved. You're not going to be some slouch skilled, but it pertains to meeting the moment, being clutch, winning awards. Uh, and I, I'm I just can't overlook the just sheer amount of successes that Brady has had. And and even if you wanted to try and make an argument, well, what about Belichick? Did he enable a lot of that? All the great defenses. He immediately leaves at age 43 to an organization that is usually pretty terrible and they immediately win a Super Bowl. And, I, and that's not just happenstance at that point. So I, I'm sorry. I, I just I think Brady is, is pretty clearly the GOAT there. Okay. You're out of that opinion. Uh, I'm also looking at, you know, without that quarterback, how would that team uh, gone on to succeed or not? And I'm looking at somebody like Steve, uh, not Steve Young, but, but Joe Montana. Right, and I mean, obviously... Was, uh, was it... Seven uh, uh, Super Bowls. So, uh, who? Uh, Joe Montana. Was it five or seven Super Bowls? Uh, how how many he went to, or how many won? I know he has not won seven. Um, no, but how many did, did he go to though? Yeah, me, I think it was seven, wasn't it? Let me uh, double check this. Um, Brady obviously has won seven, went to ten. Let me see Montana here. Got to go through um, everything. And I have to find. I was gonna have to take a second, Steve. Let's see. He was. I mean, for a while, it was like you know, is anybody else gonna go uh, to Super Bowl beside Joe Montana? Four. He's uh, he's only played in four. Four Super Bowls. Only four. Yeah. Wow, it seemed like it was uh, more than that. So I think they went to the playoffs every year, uh, with uh, with the Forty ers Yeah, but and then excuse me, for, then I forgot about Terry Bradshaw. They were monopolizing uh, the seventies. 
Right. And and also what makes some of it difficult is uh, how different the passing game was back then. Because uh, I can tell you for Terry Bradshaw, Terry Bradshaw's career, he was a 52% passer. Yeah, if you if you completed fifty two percent of if you if you completed fifty two percent of your passes in today's era of football, you would not good. start yeah. more Terry, than two years. Terry Bradshaw it was had fifty two percent. Yeah, Terry Bradshaw I'm looking at had right now. as many touchdowns as interceptions yeah. for his yeah. career. Fifty one point nine percent, two hundred and twelve TDs, two hundred and ten interceptions. Wow, you know, Saints for educate because when I was watching him, it was like he couldn't do anything wrong. <laughs> But only 50 right montana oh, wow. montana for reference way better than that he was 273 tds to 139 picks so that's basically two to one and he was a 63.2 percent passer but even he was only 63.2 percent right and but wow. again that was you know that's as as that 80s and 90s is as passing as starts to figure it out you know brady for his career is 64 three for reference so he's only one percent behind now brady chucks it a lot more than montana because brady throws a million passes some of these games but um you know still 63 percent. that that starts to get into that 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 would carry weight over any era i guess i'm astounded when i can keep hearing you say wow because you know all I remember when I was watching you know, as a teenager, Terry Bradshaw, is slinging the ball to people like, you know, uh, who, who almost would always uh, catch a pass. It didn't matter. Right. I mean, it's just rel- – I mean, some of it's relative to the times. I'm sure a lot of quarterbacks when Bradshaw was playing were throwing uh, tons of interceptions and, and uh, not making as, as high of a completion percentage. And John Elway. Yeah, let me check Elway's numbers for you. Um, and again, he was mostly ninety, so he's he's probably going to come out pretty pretty fine here. Well, I'll tell you what, fifty-seven percent completion Jeez. percentage. Uh, he did exactly. have fifty-seven. Yeah, fifty-six point nine to be exact. He had three hundred TDs to two hundred and twenty-six interceptions, and uh, he did have uh, several th- three thousand yard passing seasons. So he threw it a good bit, but uh, yeah, he had several seasons here. I think he only had three seasons over sixty percent as a passer. Oh, that, I mean, I'm just, I'm speechless. And I'm thinking of Terry Brash always throwing to uh, John Stallworth. You know, if he threw it to him, it was a touchdown. Uh-huh. Yeah, and again, now, like I said, Steve, I don't want to discredit these guys. Has, they were has definitely biased me, apparently. I mean, they were still great for the time. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they're not great quarterbacks, but, but again, the game has evolved into more of a passing game, and it's become uh, more offensively slanted. There's better athletes. There's more ways of playing good offense, and yeah. that's just kind of how it evolves. And then the Raiders had, um, the, 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 to me, one of the best receivers ever. Maybe not so now. That they're telling, uh, you know, Mr. Fred Litnikoff. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously he's got the uh, the wide receiver award named after him in, in college. Um, um, yeah, he. But what's funny about him is playing in the '60s and '70s. He only had one season of a thousand yards. That's it. Yep, I've had a thousand thirty-seven yards in 1968 with Oakland. Okay, well, I'm, I'm not trying to ruin all your all your great. No, <laughs> these are people that I thought you were just fantastic. You know, uh, just incredible players, and now I'm finding out. Wow. They were fantastic uh, for yeah, their time. Again, yeah, they were fantastic when you watched them. Absolutely, there's no, there's no doubt about that. They were still better than all the other guys on the field at that time. But nowadays, they would just be average. Some of them numbers wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you can throw in Joe Namath. Uh, I, <laughs> let me find those stats too. I'm, I'm right here, just humming away on uh, pro football. 
reference. Joe Namath, yeah. Yeah, Steve, yeah. you might want to cover yours for this one. Um, 50, <laughs> 50? 50% on the 50.1%. And he threw more interceptions than touchdowns. And won the Super Bowl against who? Uh, he was with the New York Jets, and right. he assured everybody that they were going to win the Super Bowl. And the odds, the odds maybe have like 20-point 20, 20 underdogs. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, again, Johnny Unitas. Uh, again, Baltimore Colts, yeah. Baltimore Colts. Yeah, if you tell Colts. me, Johnny uh, Unitas probably had even less than 50% probably. I'm getting uh, scared I'm to look at this point. <laughs> uh, Johnny Unitas, he was 54.5%. That was better. Two two ninety okay. touchdowns to two fifty three interceptions. <laughs> I guess and Fran Tarkin, he's another person that you know. Hey, Minnesota Vikings, you know, uh, he was their go to guy. You know, uh, if if he wasn't hurt, they're, they're more likely going to win their game. Fifty seven percent for Tarkin, uh, three hundred forty two touchdowns, which is a lot. Two hundred and sixty six interceptions. Unbelievable. Okay, I'm going to shut up. Uh, thank you for. Uh, educated me about uh, how I guess my memory is so biased about these people that I thought, man, I, I thought see like Steve Montana, uh, Yo Montana just walked on water. Not anymore. Again, for the top, yeah. you're correct. You're correct. Brady, I, I, I beat, beat them all. Yeah. Yep. Well, Steve, we do appreciate the phone call, sir. Thank for thank for your time, guys, and thanks for uh, having me uh, readjust my. Uh, Memory of uh, <laughs> while I was watching uh, NFL football. Ooh, okay. You guys have a safe afternoon and a weekend. Anybody going to the game tomorrow? Yes, I will be there. Okay, Cam. Uh, well, I hope you uh, have enjoyable time there. And uh, we'll talk to you guys come Monday. Until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve, we appreciate that phone call as always. That's retired War Eagle, Steve, joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We I did not expect no. to <laughs> ruin <laughs> opinions of. Some of the best quarterbacks of the 70s and 80s, but uh, again, the game was different. Yeah, I mean, the game it does was, not make them any less great for their time. Games just evolved so, so much. Yep. Yeah, I mean, so. like we can talk about the like once the careers of like Mahomes and guys like that are done. It's, right. Well, and it's some of his games be, played too. Some of those guys, right. the raw numbers, were playing 14 games a year. Then we did 16 for a long time. Now we're up to 17. Right. So Mahomes nearly broke. I think he broke the total yardage record yeah. this year, but uh, I think he's just short of the Breeze passing record or, or that sort of thing. And so th- this stuff's going to get broken one day because of the extra games. That's that's yeah. part of it. All right, we need to take a timeout. More sports call coming up after this. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at SportsCallAuburn.com. Welcome back. Final half hour or so of sports call today. Again, getting off here in about 20 or 30 minutes. Borgard High School basketball coming up in just a little bit. The Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. All right, fellas, about... 
again about 20 or so minutes left in the show so let's preview a little nfl playoffs as we did talk about auburn mississippi state in hour number one and we will preview or we will give a uh, final score prediction here in just a little bit but uh, let's go over these playoff matchups uh, and we'll start chronologically here on saturday uh, as we've got two games saturday three on sunday we won't hit that monday game Uh, since we will have another show before that one commences. So Saturday, Seahawks and 49ers, division rivals. 49ers, one of the uh, heavy favorited teams this weekend. They are favored by nine. Yeah, I think Seattle is a good team. I don't think they're a great team. I think they made the playoffs by virtue of how large they are. They're they're a fantastic story. Uh, I think the Niners are the significantly better team. I think that since since Brock Purdy took over that quarterback spot, they've looked even better. Christian McCaffrey has been incredible. Um, I think that I think that trade winded up benefiting both teams, even though it's always Very hard much. for for somebody to let a, a superstar go, especially a guy that ingratiated himself to uh, the Carolinas the way that Christian McCaffrey did. Uh, I, I think the the 49ers take this one. Uh, I, I think they take it rather easily. I think it's a multiple possession game towards the end. Um, and I, I think that it, I'll be interested to see how Brock Purdy looks in his first playoff game. I think that's the biggest storyline of this one is, Brock Purdy is a guy who's never started a playoff game, so if he can go in and contribute and he can he can perform at the level we've seen him perform at, I think San Francisco walks away with this one pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree with you, Brant. Um, Seattle is a great story, right? But San Francisco, favored. Geno Smith, yeah, I, I, led, dude, led like, me to a decent finish in honestly. this year's in, in, in our uh, our fantasy league this year. I threw for over four thousand yards and thirty TDs. Like, I don't think anybody, I don't think any of us would have ever expected Geno Smith that statistically from, better from, than Joe Namath. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he led the league in completion percentage. So, right. I mean, just overall, Had a good year. like yeah. very good year. Um, earned himself, I think, earned himself a contract contract right from somebody maybe it might not be it might be seattle might not be you never know um but he did earn that and and he played very very well um however the 49ers defense is the best in the league uh and i think that is really going to be the deciding factor whether the offense for for the 49ers is clicking or not i think the defense is just going to make enough plays um especially that d line i mean nick bosa is pretty much going to probably get back there at will um and just make gino's life absolutely miserable and that that's going to be the deciding factor of the game probably going to force a couple turnovers uh you know kenneth walker who's a rookie probably has a case for offensive rookie of the year um extremely talented running back i just think that that's all going to get get shut down i i just think that's really uh, I don't think Seattle's going to be able to run the ball. They might be able to throw the ball, but again, they won't have. An, I just don't think Gino's going to have enough time because that pass rush is just so dangerous. Um, so and so, I, I I agree with Brand. I think it'll it'll be a comfortable probably two score game by the time the fourth quarter rolls around. Um, and and Seattle definitely, or excuse me, and the 49ers definitely take this one. Yeah, I'm going 49ers as well. Uh, I think the 49ers roster is as good as any in the league. When you talk about their really good defense, their excellent pass rush, adding Christian McCaffrey in the backfield uh, to the receiving core that I w- really like between Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, who was a 1,000-yard receiver this year, yeah. and George Kittle, who, when healthy, is still one of the premier tight ends in the league. Uh, very hard to bring down uh, in the open field. Brock Purdy really come on since Purdy took over, right? Uh, and, and also due just to being healthy because again he uh, he missed a couple games this year and so was not really in tune with the offense early on. And and I think when you look at this, it's pretty funny. So 
Garoppolo played 11 games this year. Brock Purdy technically played in nine because he played some mop-up duty and some. I think he started like six this year. Right. Or maybe five. And so Garoppolo ended up 67.2% completion percentage. Purdy, 67.1. Garoppolo, 16 TDs to four picks. Purdy, 13 TVs. TD, TVs? He's got 13 TVs. Probably. Uh, probably all they all, the, all of them do. Uh, Brock Purdy has 13 touchdowns to 14 picks. Purdy did throw 130 less passes, so that TD to, TDs and INTs would have both exceeded Garoppolo's. But the, the important point here is, is that he statistically did the exact same things, if not a scotch better, than Garoppolo did in the regular season. And so we'll see if he gets turnover prone uh, there. Uh, but other than that, I just think they're the better team. The only th- only thing to keep an eye on is what you do a third time against the same team. Right. Uh, all right, the other game on Saturday, 7-15 on NBC. It's the Los Angeles Chargers, which only about a tenth of the population of Los Angeles are aware that that team is <laughs> in Los Angeles now, versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Great story coming on, winning several games late in the season, including that Saturday night game against the Titans to make the playoffs. Chargers on the road at Jacksonville, because, again, Jacksonville division winners, despite having a 9-8 and record versus 10-7 and record. The Chargers are favored by one and a half, and they got the news that Mike Williams will not play this weekend. He was injured in last Sunday's game. So this is almost a pick him there, but favoring the road team. First playoff game for Justin Herbert and for Trevor Lawrence. Who do you trust a little bit more? Duval, baby. I'm, I'm trust. I not that I distrust. Um, you know, Justin Herbert. It, it's also his first playoff game. I am not trusting that coaching staff as a Fair. whole um i i just think you know the mishandling of mike williams this almost this entire season just kind of shows how this team is being handled as as a whole with brandon staley um i think the jags um they are hot they're on a five game win streak coming um just uh, at the end of the season uh won five games in a row and ended up taking their division they're at home um, I think not having Mike Williams is going to be a big, big game changer for the Chargers. That that leaves Herbert just one less um, guy to target. You can really key in on um, on Keenan Allen and and try to contain him as much as possible. Obviously, Eckler will be a viable option uh, out of the backfield, um, but I, I I'm actually going to rock with the Jags on this one. I I don't I can't give you a score. I do think it'll be close. Um, I I yeah, but I I have the Jags winning this one. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Jags too. I think these are two very evenly matched teams, but I think Brandon Staley does something stupid and Doug Peterson does something smart. Agreed. And uh, that's when that's how the game is gonna be won and lost. See, I was gonna go Jags too, and I don't want to jinx it because I really like the Jags. <laughs> Just and, uh, do it across uh, the board. I'm gonna go Jags too. Uh, I I think that you guys hit the nail on the head. I'd probably rather have Herbert, not that Lawrence can't play really good football, but I'd rather have anyone other than Brandon Staley. Yeah. Right. Literally anything else. Uh, He's made – look, I love aggression too, and that's why why you know I'm out on him when I'm saying I don't even appreciate his aggressiveness because he just does some other stupid things and he overthinks it and – uh, I, I'm going to go Jags, too. I think it's a very close one, but as you guys say, I think I just think the Chargers will make a, a brutal error. now, And maybe that's Jacksonville from being inexperienced, 
Uh, halfway through the season, they were not on pace to be a playoff team whatsoever. So maybe they're maybe the moment's a little too big for them as a whole. But uh, if it is close late uh, and you feel coaching matters there, then Peterson clearly over Staley. All right, Sunday's games. First game, let's not spend too much time on here. Unfortunately, Miami without Tua Tagovailoa. <laughs> They're toast. Uh, Skyler Thompson is going to get a playoff start, so help the Dolphins. They finally get in, and that's what's going to happen for them. Against the Buffalo Bills, which are already going to be very incredibly difficult to beat anyway, the line is 13-and-a-half, and I still think I would take Buffalo uh, on that line. Yeah, I'll start this one, Bills. <laughs> yeah, Short that's all I got to say. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Bills. Yeah, good yeah. enough. Yeah. Dolphins, just try again next year. You yeah. Know. Just, I think just, there's a lot of promise there in, is in Miami. A lot. But uh, right. I, I think just given everything that we have and the fact that the Bills right. are about to be on the warpath to the AFC Championship, yeah. I think, I Bills. Two and not being healthy, just. No, just it's just not going to happen. Remember, even with Teddy, no. Uh, remembering cool football moments uh, makes me think uh, maybe Ronnie Brown should uh, be asked to come out of retirement <laughs> and just run some wild dolphin for them. The Wildcat uh, yeah. in this one because uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna need some big help trying to move the football consistently. All right, the mid afternoon game at three thirty, which is not noon. Kirk Cousins uh, in action and the Minnesota Vikings. Hosting the, the New York football Giants. And again, I can't emphasize enough that this is not a noon game, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> this is not a regular season game, Kirk Cousins. And therefore, I do not trust Kirk Cousins. However, Vikings are still good overall. It's not just the Kirk Cousins show. They have obviously really talented players. So, And they are the, the home favorites, but only by three. Which, remember, if this was on a neutral field, a la maybe the AFC Championship game this year, this would be a true pickup. So yeah. do you do you guys see it that way? Oh man, this is this is going to be an interesting one because the Giants already lost to the Vikings, but they lost on a last second field goal. So I I think this giant team Giants team knows that they can beat the Vikings. I think they have that ability. Um, I oh, ah, I want to pick the Giants so bad because I don't trust the Vikings. I really don't. Would you um, trust them more if Case Keenum was quarterback? Because today's the anniversary <laughs> of Case Keenum uh, throwing that Dude, pass to Diggs key. to beat the Saints in the last <laughs> seconds. Right. Yeah. Oh, man, great game. I hate the Saints, so that was a great game. Um, it, it's just and, – and Kirk Cousins, man, you're right. It's, it's just hard. It's just hard to trust that. Um, so I, I'm going to go Giants – and I think it'll be like Giants by like one. Like it'll be a, it'll be real real close. Maybe uh, they'll miss a point yeah. after with not Daniel Carlson <laughs> kicking. <laughs> Dude, that would be so karma. Hilarious. Oh man. Uh, so so I think that'll be interesting. I think Saquon has a has a very good game. I think Daniel Jones continues to earn that um, earn that contract that he's gonna gonna get this offseason probably with the Giants. Um, and they 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 grit their way through to a win and everybody is i think everybody can agree that they think the vikings are probably frauds and so that's just how it's going to chalk up to be all right fraudulent alert in uh, minneapolis they on are Sunday. they are a little fraudulent aren't they they are I, I don't know this is such a close game i tell you what i'll play devil's advocate here <laughs> i think the combination of dalvin cook and justin jefferson is just a little bit too much for the Giants. Right. I think the Vikings take this. I think they are the better team top to bottom, and I think the top 
is better than the Giants' top. So I'm going to take one of the best wide receivers in the league, if not the best wide receiver in the league, and certainly a top 10 running back. Um, I think Kirk Cousins does enough. I I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but uh, I I think Kirk Kirk Cousins is a good enough quarterback and, get out uh, of this round. <laughs> yeah, I think he's good enough to get out of the wild card round, and I, I think, uh, I think that I think that the Vikings take this one. I, I've kind of talked myself into it. This should be a very Saquon Barkley heavy game if you're yeah. the Giants against Daniel Jones this game, first playoff game. This game too. may last two hours because you're going to have two quarterbacks that you're kind of eh on and two very good running backs. There you go. Yeah. And then uh, lastly on Sunday, I'm looking forward to this one, even though. Uh, Baltimore made it a little less interesting. I just like to watch Burrow play. Uh, Cincinnati and Baltimore, Sunday night, 7-15 NBC. Lamar Jackson is now ruled out. I'm not sure if it's going to be Huntley or Anthony Brown. Does it really matter, though, with Cincinnati at home as eight-and-a-half-point favorites? Yeah, I, I would have taken Cincinnati in this game with a healthy Lamar Jackson. Without a healthy Lamar Jackson, I don't think the Ravens can keep up. Yeah, same. Um, I I think it'll just be a repeat, honestly, of the last game of the se- of the regular season, um, and the Bengals will dominate. I think they will cover the eight and a half spread, um, and yeah, and they will move on to the next round. And there you have it. So Bengals uh, were consensus there. Uh, did I even say I didn't say a pick? I think the Viking. I'm going with the Vikings in the Giants game. Reluctantly, oh, so I'm the only one that's we'll see. The yeah, but you know, yeah, one out it. three, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I'll take it. It's, uh, it's such a close game. Yeah, everyone's got the uh, Dolphins to lose by a million over the uh, against the Bills. Uh, <laughs> we've all got Jags. Sorry to the Jags. We probably just messed you up there. And uh, then we all have the 49ers over the Seahawks again. Bucks Cowboys is Monday. Uh, the guys will pick that one on Monday. I will be uh, good segue. I will not be on the show on Monday. Um, so Brooks Childers will be hosting this show. Uh, I will be in Tampa, probably watching football that makes the eyes hurt, but trying to uh, trying to enjoy what could be the last game of Brady, uh, probably the last game of Brady in Tampa at the least, and just going to try and enjoy it. Uh, they did the bare minimum this year. They had a very meh team that did make the playoffs, so... Just going to try and enjoy it, not the take South it for granted. The South divisions were so bad <laughs> in <laughs> both conferences. <laughs> so, so bad. Very fair. So I will be there. Brooks Shoulders and company will handle the show for me on Monday. All right, we got to take one final break. Speaking of Brooks Shoulders, he's coming up in just a few minutes with Borgard High School Basketball on the call with Tim Sin and the guys. But we need to take our last time out. Nightly TV Guide coming out coming up next. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back. Final couple of minutes of this edition of Sports Call. Ryan, Brant, and Cam with you here today. Fun time. Real quickly, before we have the nightly TV guide, got to get your final thoughts here on this uh, Auburn and Mississippi State game tomorrow night, 7.30 from Neville Arena. 
Ooh, uh, um, I think Auburn wins by double digits. Um, gets their score, continues their scoring, uses their defense to really get them in transition. Uh, I got Auburn winning se- ah, 78-64. Okay. Yeah, Auburn is the more talented team. Auburn is the team on in, in better form right now. Uh, I think it all comes down to Janai Broom and if he can lock down the paint, which he has shown he is very capable of doing, against, I think, better players uh, to this point so far in the season. So I, I'm not going to say Auburn scores 78. I, I think they can get to 70, maybe high 60s, and I think they uh, they keep if, – if it's a close game, it's a very low-scoring game. So I, I'm going to say Auburn 65, Mississippi State 58. Okay. That real, real low score there. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't, score predictions are so weird because you never like Auburn may come out and score a hundred in this game. They right. just start shooting threes. Well, score scoring predictions. I anyway. Sure. Uh, I so I, I got it wrong in that I thought it would be lower scoring in Oxford, and uh, I, I did say they'd come out slow early. I did think they'd be trailing at the half, but I thought they would only win by a few points in a 65 to 60 type of game. They obviously came out and scored 80. I again, I again think that this will be on the lower side of things. I do not anticipate Auburn scoring 80. I don't think Mississippi State is capable of scoring uh, a lot of points. Right. And so I think this will, will come down to uh, what Auburn can do offensively. If they're not sharp offensively, the State will get to hang around. If Auburn can hit some threes, get the crowd into to it uh they can pull away i'll kind of meet in the middle of you guys i'm gonna go like 74 to 63 type of game low low double digits for auburn not necessarily mean it was 15 point game the whole whole way but uh i think it'll finish out with with just enough comfort for auburn fans to not have to worry in the waning moments all right speaking of the waning moments we were down to the last minute or two of the show today so it's time for your nightly tv guide our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening here's sports calls nightly tv guide sports calls nightly tv guide presented by white claw hard seltzer men's college basketball tonight six o'clock austin scott's akron zips they host eastern michigan six o'clock on espnu more college basketball at 6 o'clock on FS1. It's Villanova kind of having a tough season after Jay Wright retired. Guess we could have seen that one coming. Mm. They go to Butler again, 6 o'clock FS1. PJ Tour Sony Open, 6 o'clock on Golf Channel. We've got some gymnastics. Number 5, Auburn. Number 2, Florida. 6.30 on ESPN2. You can catch SUNY Lee and that incredibly talented Auburn gymnastics team. That's going to be a lot of fun. Two top five gym teams, 6.30 ESPN2. One movie pick also at 6.30 on TNT. We haven't had it in a couple of weeks, so it's time to have Jurassic World back on the nightly yes. TV guide. Yes, sir. 6.30 on TNT. Dinos. Uh, that, of course, being the first Jurassic World. Jurassic World 2 is going to be put out there sometime soon, and then we're going to have to put the the most recent one. And, I need to yeah. see it. The first I, uh, Jurassic I saw, World? No, I saw I the I first. I haven't seen the second one. Okay. I saw the first Jurassic World. That's the only one I've seen. I've seen, yeah. So, so that means you haven't seen the last two, then. But I have seen uh, oh, Jurassic gosh. Park 1 and 2. I have not seen Jurassic not. Park 3. The third and final one came out last oh. summer. Yeah. Maybe I have. <laughs> Cam's having an epiphany I'm right now. I'm a little now. behind. Yeah. <laughs> 
So they're they're still respectable. None of them are as bad yeah. as like Jurassic Park three was. Right. No, don't worry about that. The, you know, the first Jurassic World is still better than the two sequels do, but they're they're very watchable. The third one has all the classics from the first Jurassic bad, Park. Bad. Good good sentimental value in that one. It's it's worth a watch. And that is your nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for our two-hour show today. Again, Borgarn High School basketball coming up in just a few minutes. Cam, thank you for being here. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. And uh, Brant, thank you for being here. See you next week. Thank you for having me. And, of course, we thank all those who tuned in and called in, as always. For Cam Berry and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan Lloyd. Have a great weekend. Enjoy more Auburn basketball. Enjoy NFL playoffs. And we'll talk to you on Monday.